I think you are amazing. I really do. Like, I really, my wife and I, my wife might get here at some point where she pops into the conversation, but she's so jealous that I get to talk to you because you're one of our favorite people. I don't know if you rec- if you realize this. Uh, no, I don't. But thank you so much for the kind words. I know that you can relate to this position when you are known for having a podcast or being on social media. It's very one way. You don't you're in an echo chamber, right? Like you don't know how people really feel. But when you hear it firsthand, particularly from someone like you, who I follow and admire, it means a lot. So thank you. That's cool. Well, for people who don't know you, Molly. Molly B. McPherson, M-O-L-L-Y-B-M-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N on TikTok, also on Instagram. And Molly is a PR crisis expert. And you also have a podcast, which I just listened to a podcast today just to prep. And, and I've heard it before, but your podcast is awesome. Your your podcast is great. Indestructible PR podcast. Um it's so good. Everyone needs to listen to this. Okay. Like they do, you do a great job. Well, thank you. <laughs> I the thing about you is, like you don't bullshit around. Like you do a good job. Like you take your job seriously. Right. Hey, that's high praise. Cause that's, that's absolutely true. I appreciate you saying that because I really do. I do. Yeah. Like that's the thing about you, Molly. And, and you have interesting things to say and helpful things to say, and you have a great cadence to your voice. Do you, do you work on your cadence? I do not work on my cadence, but I certainly get feedback from it. I did a very dangerous thing today where someone said, oh, I saw someone talking about you on Reddit. And I thought, do I even want to go there? That's the scariest place to yeah. enter. And the comment was, dude, what's up with this lady? She looks like she's 20, but she sounds like she's 55. <laughs> I thought, I don't know if that's a compliment, compliment or not. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. I think it's a compliment because you really, you really are. Uh, I think you really are. You know, you, you have a, you have a very youthful approach. You're very in the know. And for people who, you know, I keep going on and on about you and we'll get to the substance, but just so people understand Molly has, you have two videos when we're taping this that have just blown up on TikTok, which is awesome. Like 2.3 million views talking about Joe Jonas and 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 Sophie Sophie Turner Sophia Sophie Turner Sophie Turner. Sure. Right. Yes. Sure. Uh, then uh, then another one. Then the next day, uh, 1.7 million talking about again a little bit of the Turner the the Jonas issue. Uh, then we got Jimmy Fallon. I like how you say being Ellen. In <laughs> Ellen, yeah. Some people were confused by that. They thought I uh, said. I didn't know what it meant, but right. I love the people who figured it out. Right, because Joey Fallon, who has this very boyish, friendly, um, just lighthearted public persona, is being vilified by those who he's worked with, saying he terrorized the staff to the point that you know people had to seek mental health treatment and they had a crying room. So it's like you know he's got to diffuse that. And then the whole Oprah thing, and um, and then um, Masterson, what's his name? The uh, Danny Masterson. Right. The 70s show. Right. Talking about that. So what Molly does so beautifully is she takes these pop culture situations, you know, these new, these timely, these timely things that are happening in real time. And we're living in a world now where like 
this has never been so explosive and information has never moved so quickly, right? Like this is unprecedented, right, Molly? Oh, oh, without a doubt, uh, without a doubt. And today is a perfect example of that because th- today was a day that I that I set aside just to work on a client plan all day. But because I posted two TikToks that cumulatively I spent about, I don't know, 17 minutes, maybe between both of them. Right. And what that what a 2.3 million view TikTok and a 1.7 million TikTok does, it means all the press calls. So I've been taking press calls, you know, all day and managing them for next week. And then I'm also a Forbes contributor and my editor is saying, you need to weigh in, you know, on this. So it's creating content while I also work full time as a crisis communicator. So it's a balance, but I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm so grateful that you're taking the time to to visit here because, um, I mean, you you are so in demand. And the the thing that's so wonderful about you is, you know, like people can now see you what you do. And and you, there's there's so many angles to this conversation. Like one is before you had your TikTok and social media presence. And right now your TikTok's up to 364,000 followers and you're going to be in the millions. You know, like there's there's just no doubt. Like, the, the, like I can tell people can, and because the thing, the, the thing you do so beautifully is you can condense very big, big challenging issues into very relatable consumable words you know you use you use you use easy to understand language to handle complex situations i think we you know that's something that i do as well but you do it like i just love the way you do it so i want people to watch you listen to you and there's there's so many angles there's the angle i was just thinking of this in real time of like you know just like you being a business person right like you you're running this this show and you've been in the crisis management business for how long? Um, decades. You know, I, I would say my first job really experiencing crisis communication work was, you know, 2000, you know, when I was the yeah. director of communication for the cruise line industry out of Washington, D.C., uh, and representing a cruise line, you know, you're going to represent a lot of the trickier parts of the cruise line. And they had issues constantly, you know, environmental issues, crime, you know, I was always yeah. working those, but then you had these big events, like a virus that took over the industry. I was, I was writing a crisis plan for the pandemic, you know, that would happen in 2020. I was writing that back 20 years ago. And then there was 9-11 and, you know, port security. And then after that, I worked for FEMA. So I've been in some part of it for a long I- time. So you've been managing this. You've really been behind the scenes. And then in terms of your own personal brand, because now you really are a personal brand. I mean, you're out there. Did you consider yourself to be a personal brand, you know, five years ago? Uh, It was, that's when I was just starting my brand because that's when I was just starting my podcast. And when you put yourself out there, when you put your content and your expertise out there, you by default are creating a brand. And the same thing that I'm doing now, I was doing back then, but what I've learned and I think what has changed it is embracing this idea of what I talk about, what my passion is, it's helping people navigate uh, reputation in a very volatile, volatile digital age. Yeah. And it just keeps growing. And, and certainly now with TikTok, I have to be I have to be aware that first and foremost, that every time I open my mouth or post something on TikTok, I'm speaking as a brand. So that's right. a new awareness. Right. Because not only are you offering commentary, 
how you articulate this and which side you're on, because clearly you have opinions. Like we all have opinions and how you present a topic could sometimes be shaded based on your own personal, you know, Molly at home drinking coffee point of view. Oh, absolutely. And I do get, you know, called out for that, you know, frequently. Uh, I am a, uh, I am a middle, like I live in the middle. I am a middle child. I'm in the middle generation of Gen X. I grew up in the Midwest. I have a middle, I'm an registered independent. I have such a middle way of thinking and, you know, people in the middle, you know, we balance both sides. And I try not to let, you know, my opinion creep through because really how I look my lens at everything is what's the right thing here. And that doesn't fall on a conservative or liberal, you know, line, you know, every single time, but I'll be accused of doing that. And for example, in the last post that I just threw together, it was a 60 second post. And I mentioned, you know, about the Lizzo story coming out in August and two commenters said, and of course, you notice this right away. You seem to focus so much on Lizzo. What's your problem with her? Or you're obsessed with Lizzo. Like, you know, that's interesting. So they're telling me that I have a heavy opinion. Now, part of that opinion is based in fact, because I'm traveling to New York on Monday to sit down at a network to do an interview about Lizzo. So sometimes I can understand why people might, they might glean that from how I'm speaking, but I really truly never try to project a very strong bias because in most cases, I always think like a journalist. I I often don't have a strong one. You know, I'm always looking at both sides. But it's like you're, but you're now in a place where as a journalist who's reporting on topics that are in the news, who has a a very, you are, your point of view is rooted in, in not just wanting to create controversy and, and spotlight something it's rooted in wanting to offer valuable information, but you get misunderstood. What's really, what's really, you know, challenging Molly is like, I want to say the right things and I want to do the right things. And, and I want to be liked. You know, I know there's a universal rejection truth, which I talk about this law of nature that says not everyone and everything will always respond to me the way I always want. But I do want to be liked and I, and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I don't want to be misunderstood. And, you know, that just isn't me. You know, I'm sure that's you probably mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, and then anyone who's listening, like we want to be liked and we don't want to be misunderstood. But there's so much of that now. So what I really wanted to do was to help anyone who's listening to have their own, their own personal crisis communication strategy. And in your last podcast, I encourage, I think it's podcast two, was it 227 or 27 or I don't know. Last it, one would be 257, I believe. Okay. Podcast 257. Everyone should listen to that too. Cause we're, we'll, we'll have some one about web. Fury and online hate. Yeah. But what you did is you talked a lot about how people can manage their own personal crisis as well. You know, it was like this template and, and, you know, the takeaway for everybody here, I hope will be lots of wonderful information, but really if you get in trouble, right? Like if you share something that puts you in the spotlight and gets you attacked, if you are part of a group that's being attacked, if you innocently share something, you're being attacked. If somebody is lying about you and you're being attacked, if somebody is telling the truth about something humiliating about you, 
and you're being attacked. These are things that we don't know how to handle. And we all have access to a billion people, which mm-hmm. are, you know, seven billion, however many billion people. So what I wanted to do was to communicate that. And I know you're also, you're, you're also a mother. <laughs> like I say, you're a mother. I, I think it's funny. Anyway, you're a mom. You're, you're a wonderful mom. You've got, uh, are you a wonderful mom? I'm a great mom because I put my kids first and my kids know that like it it may not appear it on the outside, but my kids know they come first and I've built my life around them. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's, that's beautiful. And I know so many kids don't have that. And, and just, just the gift of having someone who loves them and is there for them, even if you're rotten in your other parenting, (laughs) that's already like, that's already a gift. So, and you mentioned you're from the Midwest originally. Yeah. Where? I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, I didn't realize that. I, my advice. I just, I stayed. Wow. My advice column ran in the Pioneer Press for a long time. Help me Harlan. Please. Yeah. It was really fun. It was, it was there for years. I, I wrote a, Help me Harlan. Wait a minute. I'm connecting dots in my head. Yeah. I have gone deep on you, Harlan. That sounds familiar to me. You know, it was, well, it was there. It was in the Twin Cities for a little bit online, but I, I syndicated, it was King Features syndicated. syndicated my column for like 20 years and, and it was advice. So I would, um, you know, some people read it, but this, this is a whole different, a whole different game. Oh, real quick though, story. were you in New York papers? Like, were you in the tabloids? So, well, I was in the New York Daily News when I was in my early twenties. Um, it was a weird thing, but I wrote, I wrote uh, the advice column and it ran with Ann Landers. And then it was in, um, I think it was in Newsday for a little bit. Like I've, I've been around, but okay. like, I, I, right. one thing I did, Molly, is I've really, I've done a really good job of putting up walls um, so that I can be safe when it comes to sharing messages and just my own social media trajectory of, you know, having hundreds of thousands of followers on TikTok and then Instagram has really blown up recently. Oh yeah. Um, it's, it was so scary for me. It still is scary for me. Me too. To do these videos, to offer opinions, because I do have this part of me like I'm okay with rejection. Like I'm all right. I know I'm going to get rejected, but I also I'm so scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. Even when I said this right now, I'm like, oh shit, they're going to pull this clip when he says the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm creating. I'm creating it. That's foreshadowing. No, but like I'm hey, so- imagine me though. Imagine me. I'm the one out there telling people how to navigate social media online. I'm just waiting, you know, like in my head, like they're going to come after me. Like what better story than bring down the person. Yeah. You know, they're 100% going to go after you because you're getting so much visibility and who are you to have opinions and how are you and who are you to know what people meant and didn't mean and being misunderstood because the other publicists who are putting out these statements that you then shade as being, you know, one I, the other day you you ripped this other person. You, you you don't hold back. Like well, I try not to rip. Um, I'm I'm definitely trying to soften okay. that piece of it because probably like you, like early on, I was getting into I'd be tagged where someone would show me what personal people were doing. You know, like yeah. the kind of advocating on yeah. you know somebody showed up online. I stopped commenting on private people on social media, even though they have a public TikTok or they might have a right. business, I get tagged on it constantly 
the last interview I did in that realm yeah, was yeah. the cake, the cake wars. I don't know if you remember cake gate when, you know, a, you know, a woman had a bakery business and she made a cake and someone complained about it. Right. Yeah. And USA Today uh, reached out to me, you know, their culture report. I've worked with them in the past before to talk about it. And I talked about it and it was all fine. But then in the end, I thought, wait, this is just a person trying to do a small business just like me. Who am I? Yeah to do this. And I have stopped that. So I am now more in the brand celebrity where there's more of a buffer there. Well, I mean, right. These are public figures and you're, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly. There's some people on social media who will spotlight private citizens and take a snippet of dialogue. And these people's lives are devastated. And, you know, sometimes the things they're saying and doing are you know completely inappropriate and and horrific but sometimes it's taken out of context and i think that's a really good good segue into gosh there's so many things i want to talk there's so there's so many different segues but uh, but a good segue into um oh you know i want to make sure um when i talked about ripping apart you don't rip people apart the public figures you had a very strong opinion of a celebrity publicist who you seem to have an unfavorable opinion of who it was with the Tui case with the, uh, with two. Yeah. It was the lawyer. It, That's it, it was the lawyer. Yeah, lawyer. You didn't hold back. Okay. Yeah. And it's really about the lawyer's tactics. Like I don't like attacking people. Right. It's about attacking the tactics of gotcha. how, what, and how it hurts people. Yeah. Gotcha. So that was just so you, just so you had context, but you do the celebrity piece and I'm glad you mentioned the individual piece because I look at, I work a lot with college students. I know you have, you have two college, college, two in college, and then you have four four kids in college. Oh my gosh. I am your target market. If it ever, oh my gosh, well, you need to, anything that comes up, you let me know and I'll, yeah. Oh, that's, I didn't realize you had four. Oh yeah. I think about you all the time. Like when you come up, like I, and you talk about, I see, I follow you because I have four kids going through all of it. I'm, I'm getting all of it now at right. once. And it's, it's fascinating. Oh, this is even better. Cause mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you already have two that are deep in because when it comes to news and how it travels and how our kids, cause I have a 17, 15 and 10, uh, you know, how, how vulnerable they are mm-hmm. uh, on both sides, whether it's sharing something innocently or it's other people sharing things in a malicious way, you know, how to deal with that. So when it comes to parenting your kids when when they are interacting online when they are sharing information do you have any rules as a professional but also as a parent to help protect your kids or help them to be thoughtful when it comes to sharing information or photos or whatever it is publicly yeah well my kids are different because they learn through osmosis just because of the nature of what I do for a living. And for years, they couldn't figure out what I did for a living. But as they got savvier online and, you know, my son Connor spends a lot of time on Twitter, they started to figure it out quickly. And now because of TikTok and now all their friends, you know, see it, they really get what they're, you know, what's happening. But that's dinnertime conversation for us. That's breakfast conversation. We talk about it all the time. So my kids are very wired to it. Okay. So somebody who is not as experienced, who's mm-hmm. sharing something on Snapchat. 
um, a video, something personal, or on whatever social media they use. Um, you know, what should they be thinking about when sharing that so many 18, 19 year olds, 15 year olds don't think about? I think we are getting to a place now where kids are savvier than they were maybe four years ago. This idea of, you know, everything you say is going to be there forever. You know, I think kids were really starting to learn that. But our post-pandemic high school and college kids, in my opinion, are far savvier because they understand the consequence more, I think, because they deal with it, you know, just from a like a personal in their small world deal with it. And sometimes I actually think that they're savvier than parents. But what I'm what, what I notice, like I work with clients now who are more in the public eye, but we're explaining things that they did when they were teenagers. So the lesson there is, even if you think it's a private conversation, let me, let me say it this way, where I think kids before the pandemic, like that batch of kids, they were the ones who were making things public, you know, and saying public things. Like I remember when my daughter was a senior in high school and she goes to a service academy So uh, she was applying to a service academy. And I remember the story that there was a kid who had the commission pulled because of something that was said, you know, publicly online. And that batch of kids learned very, very quickly what happened, you know, the consequence. Now, and I call these like the post-pandemic kids, they don't do it as much, but what they still do is they'll communicate in their Snapchat circles and their mini circles, but they don't realize that those chats, someone can screen grab it. And then when they want to be attacked, or use someone wants to weaponize it against them, then they throw it out there. Right. Like, how do you convince a college age or teenager that that you you need to talk, you talk to someone, you don't snap them, like you don't do it? Well, to, to say that is to tell that generation that they have to communicate differently, which is unfortunate. It is right. more difficult for them. When you and I were growing up, we didn't have the threat of anything that we were doing, you know, ending up on an internet, it did not exist. And these kids do communicate through Snapchat. They just do. They communicate. I mean, they, they tend to use, I think, Instagram more. They do like Instagram, but that back and forth of the daily snaps, you know, it's always there. But I I really feel like if, if the important stuff, you know, the stuff that shouldn't be said in print, like imprinting that in them is important. What about when you read something, someone says something terrible about you? And I don't know if you're familiar with Yik Yak. Do you know about Yik oh, Yak? Yes. Remember I'm Yik sorry. Yak? I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, I was, yeah, absolutely. Yik Yak's coming back. I don't know if you know this. No. I Yik was Yik horrified. I was on a campus the other day, and one of the professionals there told me that they've been dealing with Yik Yak again. And he was, you know, having to diffuse some some issues. And for people who aren't familiar with Yik Yak, it, it was one of the original ways to share your thoughts, opinions, rumors, hate uh, in an anonymous way. And uh, I encourage you to listen to Molly's podcast, to listen to Indestructible PR, the podcast episode 257, where you talk about all the anger. And there's so many people who are angry and they don't have to be accountable and they can share all these horrible things. So Yik Yak was was one of the original ways that people did that. But let's get into some, like a practical situation where somebody gets wind that that somebody shared something awful about them um, in a public forum. 
and they want to defend their reputation. And we're talking about a teenager and it could be something, something that whatever it would be, could be, maybe it's, it's sexual in nature, or maybe it's, it's somebody said something racially motivated and whatever it is, it's not true. It's a lie. You know, Mm -hmm. how does someone defend themselves? What's their personal PR plan, their crisis plan? You know, it's, you know, every, every instance is different. It has its own markings, you know, of course, uh, I'll say one, if it does land in a space that's public, like if it's like a Reddit, for instance, or if it's not a tweet or an X, whatever it is now, or Facebook, I tell a lot of people go to the app itself, you know, and, and, and file a complaint against it. So that's just one. And part of it too, is the threat, right? Like the threat that is there. So if it is in that public space, you want that threat to be there. But if it's something that is public, it really kind of depends on, you know, is it true? Is it misinformation or is it private information that was shared? You're going to have two different responses because if it's private and it's true, you know, that's different than a lie. Uh, But lies that can be unfounded, I'm, I'm a big person in it's all about the silence of it. And I know this is really difficult for younger people to hear this, you know, uh, oh, you shouldn't say anything, you know, you should let it go like, no, we need to say something and defend it. But sometimes when remarks are put out there that are not true, when it's met with silence, people notice that and that silence becomes a power move. It's I, I, I the term that I use all the time with clients is jujitsu. That's taking your opponent's strength and turning it into a weakness. What's the best way to diffuse when someone flames you? You ignore it. It's no different than no contact, you know, with someone who's bullying you because we'll make people say, why didn't you say something? Or why don't you just like, well, it's not true. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to waste my time with it. Like that is a strategic move there. Now, but let's say something is just public and it's maybe not just one person. You can't pin the person and it is, maybe in the public space that affects you in your school, you know, in your reputation. And so that falls into a framework that I have where it's own it, explain it, promise it. It's my, the whole indestructible brand comes from how you are not taken down. Like you're building a brand that no one can destroy. But sometimes, you know, part of that is you have to admit when you're wrong or if you've done something wrong. And it, you know, it depends. There's so many different scenarios, but admitting is really, really powerful. Explaining what happened and then promise to change. That's the simple formula. So when do you know when you should respond and when you shouldn't? Like even even in the circles of friends who are like, oh, this person said this about about you and it's so wrong. And all they're trying to do is inflame and to be the center of attention. You know, how do you apply the own it, explain it, promise it to just gossip that happens at the lunch in the lunchroom. Yeah. So that's where it, that's where the strategy is different because usually that, that framework is used when you have done something. Okay. And you have to admit to something or you've been accused of something and you have a partial role in whatever happened. Like it's important to speak up, but if it is gossip and if it is wrong and people are talking about you, Uh, let's say, you know, you, let's say a boyfriend or girlfriend or someone broke up with you and everybody's gossiping about it. It truly is powerful to not say anything. It's very difficult to do that, but this is where my parent hat comes in. 
Right. I have four kids who are teenagers. Okay. I have two freshmen, two junior and a college senior. They've seen it all. Okay. They have seen it all because I've, I've seen it all too, because I've lived it all. And I always default and tell them is default to how are you the bigger person in this? How are you the person that doesn't get in the mud? Because whether it, and part of the reason why that video that I did two days ago about Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, the piece that resonated the most with everyone. And I know this from the comments and from my DMS is at the very end, I talked about when someone uh, is going through a conflict and someone's spinning narratives and telling lies or gossiping, it's the person who's silent is the one that people know is telling the truth because people who sit in silence in their truth are incredibly powerful. The people who have to fill with stories and stories become weak. And that's the language that I use with my kids. If you speak out and do this or jump into that fray, you're weak just like them. But how to grasp power is to be comfortable in the truth that you don't even have to dignify it. And it works. It's so, it's so hard to yeah. bear witness to people saying things that are that are lies. And it is yeah. really, really difficult, but getting in the fray, honestly, it just brings you to their level. And it's counterintuitive, right? Because you want to defend yourself. You absolutely want to defend yourself. But don't defend yourself in words, defend yourself in actions. Because choosing not to get caught in the fray, because And this is my professional world that bleeds into the personal world. When people gossip or when people attack you online or someone attacks a brand or person, it doesn't matter. What they want to do is they want to pull you into the fray. That's the move. It's not about gossiping about you. They want to pull you into the fray to get you all spun up. If you go into the fray, you've lost and they've already won. The power is just to either remove it in your actions and that becomes your answer. I'm in. 100% 100% agreement with you. And I think that it's like when someone's inflamed, you responding to gossip and rumors and lies is lighter fluid. You know, you yeah. are you are just adding to the flame and then they're going to add more and then the flame's going to start catching onto the walls and to the building. And all of a sudden you've created this inferno because you've given it oxygen. You're supplying the fuel yes. for this to grow. So, Mm -hmm. so there's that, but then there's the part of, if someone says that, like, I, you know, slept with someone, or if somebody says that accuses someone of doing something that's unlawful, or someone accuses someone of, of sharing uh, words that you don't share, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and these actions that are just so reprehensible and so damaging uh-huh. In that situation, how do you remain silent when people are disparaging you? Are It's that echo chamber effect that you talked about, yeah. and you've done none of these things. Yeah, it depends on what's at stake, okay? Because certainly if this happens in the realm, let's say, of you know, high school and you're getting ready to go to college, yeah. okay? And you're being accused of bigotry or racism, like, you know, a lot of those, I call those third rail issues. You touch it, you're burnt. You're burned. Okay. You're damaged. If you're accused of those types of issues and it's incorrect, you do need to correct that record, but you have to determine what's at stake. Okay. Because is it a college admission? 
Is it your high school? Is it your principal? Is it something that's in the community that everybody knows? Um, You still don't want to take it into the public town square to let everybody else talk, talk about it because you're participating in it in a way. Okay. So if something is severe at stake, you're going to go to an administrator, you're going to go to a college, you're going to go to whatever and deal with it. But let's say it's a bunch of kids who are still saying something, believe it or not, I still say the same thing because the goal, the reason why the person is doing it is not to let people know that you're a racist. The goal is to get your goat is to is to strike out at you and attack you. That's all it is. It's just what the means is doesn't even matter. They're out to get you. So do you want to fight them or do you want to dismiss them? And if it is racist or just or bigotry or whatever it is, maybe you don't have to say something publicly online, but you just strategically say a few things to a couple people. That's totally false. I've never done that. Or you could say, you know what? I'm not going to dignify it, but if they have it, then prove it. But until I see it, I don't want to talk about it. Right. So that's and that's the part where if something is unfounded, if it's a rumor, you let it die down. You don't you don't feed it. If it's a third rail issue that warrants a response because just the accusation is is so damaging to be associated with that. What is the appropriate and I know language is difficult based on the situation, but what would be the framework in terms of, you know, shorter is more powerful? What are a couple of the attributes that you want to share when refuting something that is false and a third rail issue in a way that's not going to inflame the situation? Yeah, I mean, there really is, you know, a heavy line here in terms of how I approach it when I'm looking at it in this realm of kids. I mean, I live in this world and I understand world. And these issues definitely come up. Um, In my neighborhood, we had a racial situation that made international news, you know, so it's definitely been a part of conversation about where I live. But truly, truly, if it is unfounded, it is a rumor, it is not true, it does not deserve a public response. You've not done anything wrong. You do not need to react to someone else's vengeance. You don't. It's only vengeance if you react to it. But let's say you did, or let's say there is something at stake and you've lost something and you have to publicly say something. Okay. That's where that framework does take place. And so I'll give you examples of, I've had to write messaging for clients who are well-known, but when they were in high school, they said these things, but they're well-known, but they're still young. They're still, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in their twenties, but they're in the public realm. And, and that's where the framework, you own up to exactly what you did. Don't mince your words. Just say, um, you know, with the accusation, yes, it's true. I did say, right, whatever that was. Then you explain it. And that explaining could be someone being called out, uh, you know, for doing all this. You know, back when I was in eighth grade, I did a lot of things that I, like many people, I probably, you know, you might in eighth grade, I regretted a lot of things that I did. And what I said there was abhorrent. And then you would explain the reason why, because sometimes with kids, it's the environment they grew up in, you know, like you can explain it and then you make that promise. And what is your promise? I will never, you know, whatever it is. That's the frame. So when there's truth, just 
so someone listening can can understand the playbook. So when there's truth to a uncomfortable, embarrassing, uh, difficult public uh, public statements, you know, something where where you're put out there, own it and acknowledge the the truth, the role you played, and then explain it, and then promise what will happen so that this will not happen again. Yeah, and and the framework is is simple in you know in its language because anyone knows what own it means and the easy way to remember it it's all the a words so it's either acknowledge atone accept apologize you know any of those like people just need to know that you know what you did and you're aware of it it's when people ignore it that's what kind of flames people and then the explain it is just context because the truth is when people do things, they're not the only person who's done it. Someone else has always done it. So that's the time where you kind of connect with people, where they can see why it happened, because sometimes it's not the whole truth. Maybe it's just a part of a story. And then the last part, the promise it is what's going to change. What you're also doing through that statement or through those actions, you're you're walking people through your crisis as well. Not only are you getting yourself through it, you're walking everyone else through it at the same time. So it just is done. And it's behind not just you, but everyone. So we we understand own it, explain it, and promise it. And this isn't just for a public PR crisis. I mean, this is for if there's a misunderstanding with a professor. I was just going to, words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, you can use this with your professor. You can use it. That's that's the secret to my success, honestly, is people have figured out that the advice that I'm giving for crisis communication works perfectly in the, in the, in the real world under oh my all, gosh. all the time. It's so awesome because it's just, it's so great. We, man, it'd be so fun to run through some questions that people ask me that are communication based, which is most of the problems that people write to me, because I just think you are so wonderful at helping people to work through these seemingly complex situations and really distill them down to a framework so that when I'm managing my life and dealing with new a new crisis and a new challenge, if in your heads, if everyone listening, it's, it's own it, explain it, promise it, and for parents and for family members, understanding that. And um, so then that brings me to the other question of, okay, so like you don't know, if let's say someone doesn't know, own it, explain it, promise it, right? Or they're too embarrassed to yeah. own it, explain it, and promise it, because the reality is um, the consequence of actually acknowledging the truth scares me more than actually acknowledging the truth. So I'm going to lie more and I'm going to create more problems. What are the things that people do wrong before they own it, explain it, and promise it that creates m- much more, m- many more problems? They lie. They, and they won't look at the word as a lie they'll create a story. They'll create some narrative that might make sense. I mean, so the granular level with a student, they didn't do their assignment. And I know this as I'm an adjunct professor. Okay. So I've heard this. Uh, Kids miss students all the time or miss deadlines all the time. They're college students. Some aren't organized yet, whatever it is. They will say, um, I'm just going to say that um, my grandma died. Or I'm going to say that I had to do this. Like they default. And my, my kids even have you know done that. Like, well, I'm just going to say this and I'll pull them back and say, well, is that true? Well, no. Well, so you're going to lie. Is that what you're telling me? You know, they hate it when I do it. But they they think a story will at least be, you know, pacify what's going to happen. But professors know. And one of my 
biggest grievances that I have with students is when they lie to me. There is nothing worse. Like when I taught, like how many funerals my students had to go through and professors have heard every lie. The student who comes to me and says, professor, I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I got, I got so overscheduled. I didn't do this. I didn't do this, but, and this is the reason why I didn't do it, but I promise I'm going to, I'm going to submit it next week. Is that okay? And then I can come back and say, yes, thank you for telling me. I have to give you, I have to penalize you 10% for this, but definitely get it in. I love to see it. It's so much easier than the lie. So the student who says I was tailgating this weekend and I just went out, I went out too many times. I, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have had so much. And then I actually met someone who was like so unbelievable. And I spent so much time with this person. I've never felt this way about someone romantically. I don't know who knows. Maybe I'll even marry them. Who I don't even know. But what happens, I realized I didn't get my stuff done. I totally screwed up. Um, can I get this to you at the end of the week? What can we do? Like, how does that land? Yeah. So for someone like me, I scrutinize everything. Um, I will look at that student and say, are they shining me right now? Like, I, I don't want to hear a story how you fell in love, but if they're coming to me with a real story though, like professor, I didn't, fi- I didn't, I didn't finish this. And, right. and, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you why, but I'm just going to tell right. you, this is what happened. That's a human moment. Okay. And anyone can relate to that. And that's also the key of getting through everything is that empathy piece. If you can connect with that person where they understand yeah. it, it's all again, it's all about context. Yeah. How, how do you feel about about um, a student who, you know, has a gripe with a with a teacher or someone in a position of authority? And instead of approaching that person who's in a position of authority, they go into a public forum and try to tear that person down. Uh, you know, how do you look at that situation? Well, I mean, I'm in this all day. I'm in it every day. I mean, you are, too. I mean, you're on social yeah. media. I mean, you get it. And this is what I tell my kids often. The person who tries to attack and bring people down, that's the sign of weakness. I always talk about strength and weakness all the time. Weak people, weak motives, you know, lying, all of that all comes down to character. Okay. And I lump it into character. Yeah. And people who need to any action that takes place behind something is an act of weakness. And I have drilled that into my kids so many times that they get it. Now they can spot it too. And whether it's a behavior or why someone brags about something or why someone might, you know, knock you about that or make you feel bad about that. Well, it's because they feel weak. They feel intimidated by you or whatever it is. And, and that's what it comes down to. It's just weakness. Yeah. It becomes so easy to smell. Like you could smell it, you know, it's just, right. It becomes, it's like. You leave a com. I leave a conversation with, and you know, I'll talk to my wife and be like, you know, what that was so unnecessary that they even mentioned that that part. Like that had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. And um, it's you. You can you you get this uh, you know, this this sixth sense when it comes to when it comes to that piece. Um, there was something else that that jumped out at me that um, as a parent, uh when your child is wrong, when people are saying hurtful things and you're worried about their reputation and they are, you know, teenagers, whether it's high school or college, what role do you think a parent should play in being a crisis manager? When, when their child does something wrong? Yeah. 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 I, 
I, you know, I don't want to say that I, you know, I'm just this amazing parent and, and my playbook was amazing. Like we all have our strengths and weaknesses as parents, yeah. right? And there are so many things like I, I like every parent who sent off their kids to college, you regret some, look at me, like you regret so many things. You think you're the worst parent in the world. Like everybody does that, but we all know our strengths too. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that I talk about with my kids consistently, like I just mentioned, is this idea of character. We can always default to character and the importance of character. So if a, if a child does something wrong or, you know, first of all, even if they come to you with it, that's a huge step right there. You have the trust of your child that they know. And this very important factor, which is I've got your back. But what my kids know with me is I'm not lying for you. There's a difference. I got your back. I'm going to protect you in this, but I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not. And it's all about how can I walk you through it and be with them? Lying simply does not work. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity. It doesn't matter if you're a father or your kid or a student. It just doesn't work. And the sooner you get to the truth, the sooner you're going to get through the pain. What about a parent who is upset about, you know, a person in that child's social circle and a parent wants to intervene and a parent wants to call and a parent wants to, you know, try to clear things up, whether it's through threats or through parenting another child, how effective is that? You know, kids are the ones who get such a bad rap on all their choices and the decisions and everybody's coming down on kids, but you know what? Parents are just as bad. I mean, they are just be, and I talk to my kids about this all the time. Just because someone has lived doesn't mean that they live well or they live the right way. Uh, I mean, we, I don't like having a kitchen of gossip. I don't like doing that. But when those stories kind of come in, we, again, we talk about character and weakness and why right. they do that. Parents really do need to learn how to reel it in, but sometimes it's so much deeper. Parents, all, you know, parents have issues too. Everybody right. has baggage. And I think, you know, the bottom line is if you can do anything that helps your child yeah. have their own sense of agency, they need to learn agency, how to handle things themselves, how to deal with things themselves, whether it's positive, negative, whatever it is. The parent's role is to support their child doing it. Once a parent gets into the mix, it gets messy and it looks bad for both of you, you know, for your entire family. Yeah. We all know those families. We know be, those parents, you know. It would be so interesting if you had some type of like online course or something that would be for parents on how they can be the, the best crisis management partner because. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. If I had the time in the world, if I could split right. myself hundred pieces, I wish I would. And again, I'm not coming off saying that I'm the best parent in the world. I have my, I have my challenges, my liabilities, you know, right. my quirks definitely. But I think collectively all four of my kids would agree that at the end of the day, I hate to use cliche there. Yeah. My kids know I have their back. Yeah. Of, even if they're mad at me, whatever it is, they always know that I have their back. And I've learned it as they've aged. And even my oldest daughter says to me now to her friends, if they're going through any problem with boys or life or school, they say, go to my mom. She's the best at talking you through that. And to me, that's the highest praise. Yeah, the highest. Oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. And it's such a gift. And there are so few 
so few kids who I see who, who have someone who they can turn to. So mm-hmm. I love that. I have one more question for you. And then, and then we're going to, I'm going to wrap this up. Cause I know you have like millions. You know? Oh, I could talk about this forever though. Cause we're talking about kids, right? Yeah. It's I them. I'm like you, I'm a helper. I just want to help people. I love that. I mean, that's because the thing that I see, well, there's two things because you brought up this other thing. I was going to wrap this up. But the the video that I have that like went viral is like 20 million views is about like if a teacher tells you if I have to do this for you, I have to do it for everyone else, you know, respond with, you know, I appreciate that. But if everybody else was dealing with the same situation, then I would understand. But I'm the only one who's speaking to you right now. And I hope you'll consider that. Yes. And, and um, like blew up. And it blew up on two sides. One was people were like, yes, you know, it's a great hack and and um, it's a great way to be an advocate. The other part was do not challenge authority because you'll get thrown out and you'll fail. And and it really was tied to, I think, a lot of privilege, too, because I have a lot of privilege just the way I, I look and from the background I come from. So I can talk to someone in a position of authority in a respectful way where mm-hmm. I can still try to get what I what I want where someone else who has come from a world where they don't have privilege, the idea of even challenging someone in a position of authority is something that is so upsetting. So it was, it was really fascinating, but this idea of advocating for yourself, I find it is so hard because it's tied to rejection and feedback that can be unpleasant and uncomfortable. And that leads to a crisis. You know, it always leads to this crisis. It's a personal crisis should I advocate for myself? How's that going to impact my reputation when it comes to my school, my teachers, my family? Or maybe I don't need to advocate. And we live in a time now where we need to use our voices. Like mm-hmm. we live in a time where there are lots of different people who have different points of view and their points of view have a direct impact on individuals' abilities to live their lives in alignment with their values and who they are. So when it comes to, that was a middle of the road one, right? I was really trying to toe the middle there. But when it comes to really being able to advocate about social justice and issues that are important to you as a, as a student, as someone who's in this critical time in your life, what is your advice to them about making your, making your voice heard, but also being able to hear others while pushing forward the things that are important to you? Those are two different questions, but have the same answer because they're both the root of the issue is how you are received. Okay. So in the case of the professor, some people are going to look at it as this privileged kid coming up saying, Hey, will you do this for me? And then the throwback line is, well, if I do it for you, then I have to do it for everyone. What that professor is saying is what their challenge is, what their problem is. Okay. And People in general, so whether it's in a classroom, a professor, or in life, or being blown out, you know, whatever it is, people don't want to be told how to act or how to think. That's the trigger. People do not want to be told what to do. No, everybody reacts negatively to that. Okay. And it does not matter what the issue is. Uh, but if you come at it in a different way, and even in the case of the student, I'm not, you know, can you change this for me is different than, could you work with me on this? I understand, you know, your rules, you know, you're respecting where they think, but here's my situation. So what you're doing is now you're asking them to be a different person, right? Right. And it's 
same with people who are attacking. I, I, I just dealt with this this morning, right? There are a lot of people who will, who love to just blow people up online. Okay. Or if there's an issue and they don't like something, they're going to call them out and they're going to do it publicly. Right. The more angrier you are. And, and I, and what I do respect, I I've interrupted this. I do respect the argument, particularly with minorities when they're talking about a time when they quote Martin Luther King, which I'm just going to paraphrase is if you want change, you need to make noise. You don't make that change. Right. You know, so people notice in that context, it, it's absolutely correct. And even 2020 with what came out of, you know, with the death of George Floyd and, you know, what was happening in towns and everything, you know, that started in on the Midwest and the Twin Cities, we're finally making noise and things are changing. Well, you know what? Things did change after 2020. But if we take that playbook that's just that was used for that and use it for everything, it's going to be very, very damaging for that person because reflectively, people don't want to listen to people who attack just in general, even right. no matter what's behind it. When it, when someone does it in an attack mode, it creates a trigger in people to either attack back or to not right. listen. So it trying to be reasonable, that is the word that I pound into my clients, to my kids all the time. Well, Speak to the reasonable, react to the reasonable, think reasonably, then you'll, then you can get through things. Yeah. And what, what I take away from that is, is meet people where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we start, if we start where they are, if I start where a professor is, if I start where somebody who has been, who has been, you know, alienated and and has been marginalized, and if I can relate to some aspect, and, and that's where rejection. The thing about me that has really helped me to connect with with people is, first of all, I don't think I'm any better than anyone. Everyone's more important than me. I truly mm -hmm. believe that. And the second thing is, we're all rejected. You know, mm -hmm. whether I'm talking to middle school students or I'm talking to parents or I'm talking to people who are towards the end of their life, you know, we all have rejection, like rejection bonds us together. So we, we have common ground. And as, because this is so much bigger than just defending your personal reputation. This is how can you use your voice and be able to express your values and to hopefully have an influence that's positive and create change that's going to benefit the the, the greater good, let's say. And there's yeah. always people of different greater goods that they think of, but if we can all find common ground, and I think that's also where own it, explain it, promise it. Like everybody has effed up. It's like, if I own it and say I screwed up, like, what are you going to do? Tell me I screwed up? It's like, I, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, how many times are you going to tell me? And then if I can explain it, not justifying it, but simply explaining what happened and also being vulnerable, you know, this is new for me, you know? Well, yeah. And also how you can use that framework. It's not just when you've done something wrong, right? But let's say, you know, to go back to like a marginalized group. Yeah. You're seeking justice and the angry and whatever you're dealing with them, whatever it is. Part of the own it is falls all under those A words, like acknowledging, like I acknowledge that you're hurt and I can acknowledge why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it firsthand, but what I do understand is what it must feel like to feel like X, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Usually the root of every conflict 
is the person, one person or both do not feel heard or seen. Right, right. And they want to be seen. So it's usually the answer to so many people, like even on, you know, on social media, when, you know, I understand if I'm being attacked, sometimes I can look at it like, okay, why do they feel that way? It's like, yeah. oh, I, I can go the route to the cause of how they feel. Because remember, most times it's not about us. It's about right. them. About the other right, people. right. I'm thinking of even like, like LGBTQ issues. Like those are really important to me. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that I have a community where everybody's accepted and included. And, but I also don't want to, I don't want to indoctrinate anyone. I don't, you know, that's not my goal. Um, I just want to be able to show a perspective, like based on my interaction with students and being part of this, this world for 25 years in higher ed and just seeing the students who are struggling the most and what helps them the most. So understanding and I think that even that idea of like acknowledging that you don't, we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. And I understand why this is something that you don't agree with. And I understand why you have such a different point of view. I have someone who writes me messages, who's a polar opposite of me. Yeah. And we have, um, we have, we have these conversations that are so painful for me because I have to listen to things that I don't want to hear. And then I share things that I want to hear. That's probably equally painful and uncomfortable for that person but we talk, we talk, we don't, and, and we don't get angry. And, and like the community that I nurture is one where we don't get angry. And, and I think it's because of, of, you know, it's because of that idea of allowing people to be who they are with an understanding. We don't need to agree, but we have common ground that can help us, help us to, to, to see some, something that we both are working towards. Yeah. And you've looped it in right to the beginning when, you know, when we were talking about the flag, you're looping it, you're bringing it right back yeah. there because I, you know, you and I have lived, we've worked, um, I've worked in a lot of conservative markets, right. And I've worked with a lot of people who think very differently than me and they treat, you know, they might think very differently about women or, you know, whatever it is. I have walked into rooms. I've, I've done workshops where I, I know that people are looking at me a certain way because I'm from the North and because I'm a woman, like I already know it. Right. But what I also know is they do not want me to counter them in any way. It's the act of understanding that another person is going to have their views and respecting that everyone has a right to their view. However, you don't need to be attacked for it, right? But I honestly believe it's when you let them know, it diffuses the situation immediately, just like you're doing with that conversation. It's right. respectful. Okay. So right. that's why you're not, you know, you're not coming to, you know, you're locking horns on it because yeah. it's two sides, but it's respectful. And that's like with roommates, with yeah. people who have differing uh, perspectives, point of view from different cultures, that commonality. So I think it's a wonderful place to, to leave everyone. And, you know, you're, I started this off. If, if people are still listening, hopefully you're still listening. This has been a, a, a wonderful conversation. So much fun. Uh, I it really. But don't let me leave without me talking about you quickly. Oh, no, no. Um, I mean, you can, but honestly, Molly, you're, you, you know, what you do is, is, is so much bigger than just offering critiques on pop culture and crisis management. What you do is you create a framework, you deliver a framework and a way of processing challenging situations that can offer that commonality. Like, I think that that's, that's something that you really, you really do so well. And I really want people to check out Molly B. McPherson. This is Molly's social media and also her Instagram. And she has a wonderful podcast 
the indestructible PR podcast, which is so well produced. Like you really, I, I mean, you sound so good on that. <laughs> I mean, you. you really, you're really good. Like I list, I was like, damn, like, well, like this is, times, it, you know, it's, it's not, you do, you do a great job. So um, I would love for people to get to know you, to follow you, to learn from you uh, and to just understand that, uh, you know, we all have there. We all have something that we can learn from from every situation. I think that that really brings us together. No, I really appreciate it. And where my work, honestly, where it dovetails, even though I'm talking about public relations and celebrities and brand crises, truly at the heart of it, that I, I'm surprised not enough people pick up, but they're starting to. Everything I say, I'm just talking about life. And it's everything that applies to kids. I mean, everything that I do, you can just, I can apply it to a kid. It is, it is just about doing the right thing, living by the golden rule. And if you've done something wrong, you just got to own up to it. So uh, you and I, our worlds, believe it or not, intersect just because, you know, we, you and I both talk about the same things, but just in yeah. two, uh, two different sectors. Yeah. And, and, you know, along those lines, if I can ever be a resource, continue to be a resource, um, I really, it gives me so much joy to be able to share something that can benefit. Oh, continue. You, yeah. The word is continue because we talk about you. We talk about your book. We also, nothing brought me more joy than moving my son into college and being the unprepared parent saying, where do I go? What do I, what, you know, what am I doing? And going to the Facebook group and someone said, you know, someone had a problem and they said, go to Harlan Cohen, go to, here's his account. Here's his social. That's cool. And even though you think it's just for kids as a parent, he is going to make you feel so much better. And I thought, what an ironic post for me to see on a crazy day. Oh, oh, so I, I just wanted to let you know that. It, I, it just brought a smile to my face oh. in the middle of a hectic move-in day to see someone share your name. Well, that's just, that's, uh, I get chills. I, I love, you know, I really love, love helping and it's fun. It's fun to help people. It's fun to create some light. And yeah. you, you also do that. And uh, I'm just grateful that we can talk and it's very generous of you to take this time. Cause I know you got lots going on millions. Molly's got all these videos that are going viral right now. So you got to check that out. And um, I hope that we can have many more conversations in the future. Oh, absolutely. It was so wonderful to speak with you. Thanks Thank Molly. You. All right. Have the best of everything. You too. Right. Until next time. Thanks.